Welcome. This is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. We want to thank you for taking time to listen to our Sun, Salt, and Light broadcast. We want you to know and grow in the Son, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, and be the salt and the light. We'd like to thank you so much for taking time to listen to this broadcast. We simply teach the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter, and we believe that God changes a life one verse at a time. I'd like to personally invite you out to come and see the church. Uh, it is a very casual atmosphere, and uh, but we do take the Word of God very seriously. We meet in a non-traditional church building. We actually meet at the BFW 3966 in Divine, Texas. It's located at 211 West College Avenue, big white building right next to the post office. Our service times are on Sunday when we go through the New Testament uh, at 10 a.m. And then on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. we go through the Old Testament. Uh, We have children's ministry available for both services. And if you need to get more information on the church, you can go to calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bible ready, today we'll be in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verses 54 through 60. The title of this sermon is, A Spiritual Ringing, with special guest, Pastor Jimmy Rosas. Here is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. I can assure you of that. I was full of myself, I was full of pride, I was full of anger, I was, you know, I just justified my actions. So what are we showing during our time? What are we showing when, when we go through that spiritual ringing? What is coming out? How do we respond to adversity? When things don't go as planned, how are we responding? How are we responding? I, Come on, we know Stephen didn't plan this, right? I'm going to go share about our forefathers to the Sanhedrin, and they're going to repent, you know, maybe, right? Maybe that's what he was thinking or whatever. But he didn't think this at all. This wasn't his plan to be led out of the city to get stoned to death. There's no way he planned for this. So when things don't go as planned, how do we react? How do we, what comes out? What is extracted during those times? The second half of verse 55 and, and, and uh, verse 56 is, uh, is not anything I want to speculate about. I just want to put that out there, especially since we don't have any scripture to back up any speculations that I came across as I studied this. <coughs> Excuse me. As to why Stephen saw Jesus standing and not in his usual position of sitting at the right hand of the Father, right? We know that from different verses in the Bible, one of them being Mark 16, 19. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. <coughs> Excuse me. So we know that's his proper place, right? To be sitting at the right hand of the Father. But Stephen, when he looked up... And the heavens were open to him. He saw Jesus standing. Now, again, these are speculations. I'll share them with you. Um, please just don't take them as doctrine because we don't have anything to, to back this up with concrete evidence, right, of why this is being done. Um, so one of them is <clears throat> that Jesus was standing ready to receive Stephen as the first martyr. Could be, right? It could be. It could be that. Um, another one is that faith moves the Lord. Hence, that's why Jesus was standing. Right? That, that could be true, too. Um, uh, another one is that Jesus was standing in unity with Stephen. And, you know, that could be true, too. <laughs> we don't know, right? We can only speculate, right? And lastly uh, is 
Jesus is acknowledging Stephen before the Father, perhaps, right? And again, don't take these as doctrine, but I'm just, you know, Matthew 10, 32 does say, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. So maybe it was something along those lines. We don't honestly know, right? When we get to heaven, we can ask Jesus, you know, till we're blue in the face, right? Why did that happen? Why did you know, I, I, I think I'll ask a lot of questions when I get up there. Maybe. I, maybe I won't. <laughs> Who knows, right? We don't know how it's going to be. I think it's going to be so great and grand that we're going to totally forget, you know, like whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's what Romans 8.18 says, right? So um, anyway, let's get back to our teaching here. So we can only speculate as to why he saw him standing, but any of those four reasons is beautiful in itself. Maybe it's all of them. Who knows, right? But um, as the verse continues in verse 56, um, he says, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Son of Man, of course, was um, referring to Jesus Christ, right? <clears throat> in the Old Testament, when Son of, fill in the blank, right? Son of this person or Son of this, when that was used, uh, that person was a representative of that family or that people. And so now, in the New Testament, as Jesus took this title upon himself, he is essentially saying, I am mankind's representative, son of man. I'm mankind's representative. And praise God for that, because what a wonderful representative we have, amen? What a perfect and holy representative. I know here on this earth, we vote for people to go represent us, you know, you know, and, and in courtroom and in, in Congress and all this other stuff. And it's like, oh man, this dude, you know, or whatever. But praise God that mankind's representative is a spotless, holy and blameless um, Messiah. Amen? The son of man. That's so, that's so beautiful. And so that's who is being referred to here. In case you didn't know, it is Jesus Christ. Um, and then... Just once again, coming after those speculations, we don't know why he stood, right? But they're beautiful in themselves to, to just think in that manner, like, could be. So what kind of attitude would we have shown the Sanhedrin and the mob? You know, what? I don't know what I would have done, honestly. Hopefully I could have walked like Stephen did, but I don't know what I would have done, right? And... and what grace, if any, do we show those that come against us nowadays? Do we show any grace? Again, these are just questions that you can just think over in your mind. And as we finish the teaching today and we were um, praying and, and, you know, as we close, if these are things that you know you need work in, just give them to the Lord. I know we're human, so I know I dare say we all need work. I know I do. <laughs> I know I do. But what, what grace, of any, do we show those that come against us? Stephen didn't give them the attitude they deserved. He displayed elegance and courteous goodwill towards them. He displayed grace. What grace, of any, do we display? I know we just had a... Um, we just got done electing some officials, right? And I think grace goes out the window during that time. That political party, um, 
isn't greater than Jesus. That candidate isn't our savior, whoever, you know, whoever they might be, whoever, whatever they may stand for. And I, I think we kind of get those things a little too mixed up, you know. We get so centered on that. And, and I'll get off of that, but I'm just saying we tend to not show grace when someone else thinks differently from us or acts differently. And, and Stephen's such a beautiful example of that. He displayed grace through this, through all of this. If we have no grace towards others, then most certainly we don't have mercy for people. And that brings us to our final point. Mercy for the people. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. That's mercy. Child acts up. They deserve punishment. They deserve to be grounded, something taken away from them, and you don't do it. That's mercy. Grace is still taking them out for ice cream, right? That's something they don't, you know, they don't, not getting something they, they deserve and then getting something that they don't deserve, right? Mercy and grace. But Stephen here is showing this mercy for the people, right? As we read um, those last verses again, starting at verse 57. So after he's declaring to them, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God, verse 57 says, But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. What, what merciful actions there. Just like Jesus on the cross. He straight up emulated Christ, did he not? Jesus on the cross prayed for those nailing, nailing him to the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And there, here's Stephen pleading the Father, asking of the Lord to forgive them. And so the people rushed Stephen with one mind, with like a hive mind. Why did they cry out? Stephen, led by the Holy Spirit, reminded the Sanhedrin of what Jesus had said in Matthew 26, verses 64 through 66. When Jesus was before the Sanhedrin, Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? And they answered, He deserves death. Those same Sanhedrin, well, I don't know exactly same Sanhedrin, but those Sanhedrin had heard this from Jesus Christ himself. And now here's Stephen reminding them, Hey, the one who spoke these words and said that he would rise again, I'm looking at him. I'm seeing him. You thought you killed him, but you didn't. I'm, I'm seeing him right now in all his glory. And they couldn't stand it. They were just, they're yelling out. You know what I can imagine there? And it may sound comical, but you know when kids, or maybe adults do too, when we don't want to hear something, la, 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 right? We plug our ears, we stop our ears, and we start yelling or start saying something so that we don't have to hear that. That's pretty much exactly what they did there. The Word of God says that they stopped their ears and they rushed at him. They rushed at him. 
these, these elder statesmen acted very childish here, you know, like I said, perhaps covering their ears and shouting so as not to hear him. One very important point here is the Greek word for rushed. It's hormao. Almost sounds like brother, right? Hermano, but it's not. It's hormao. Hormao. Which, man, this blew my mind when I came across this. The same word that they use for this mob rushing blindly, impetuously, insanely forward at Stephen is the same word that was used in Mark 5.13 where the swine, when they were filled with the demons, they rushed to the cliff's edge and fell into the sea and drowned themselves. It's the same word. When the demons filled those swine, they hormowed to the cliff's edge and fell over into the sea and drowned themselves. They insanely ran forward. They blindly ran forward. They impetuously ran forward. And it's the same thing this mob of people are doing now. A hive-like mentality. Oh, they're doing it. I'm just going to jump in. And just all at one time just doing this blind action, this blind act towards Stephen. And we see that all the time. We see that all the time. We saw that a couple years ago. All these riots. What's going on? Just blindly jumping in. Just blindly doing something. Just joining in because we as Christians, we're not called to do that stuff. We're not called to blindly jump in to any sort of action. To anything like that. But it's amazing how it's the same word, hormao. The definition of hormao, I already said it, is to blindly, impetuously run forward, almost insanely. This mob was blindly, impetuously, insanely running at Stephen. And in verse 58, their blind actions continue because the mob showed no regard for Roman law. Remember, they were supposed to ask the Romans to put someone to death or if they could or if the Romans would do it for them or whatever. And here, they didn't even take that into regard. They're just like, nope, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. They didn't stop to think about it. They didn't ask. Nothing. And so it continues in verse 58 there, how they just blindly ran forward with their thoughts, with their actions. (coughs) They showed no regard for Roman law, and they stoned Stephen. Now, this was the mob of witnesses and not the Sanhedrin themselves. We, We should get that right. We should, you know make a point of that, that this was the mob of people. But guess what? The Sanhedrin were there, okay? They allowed it. They okayed it. They even instigated it, I'm sure, okay? Saul not only stood as a supervisor of the execution, but the laying of the garments at his feet, um, by the laying of the garments at his feet, but Saul also approved the execution. Saul was a member of the Sanhedrin by this time. And Acts 26.10, these are Paul's very words. And he says, And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Paul later, Saul later as he came to be known as Paul, he he would share these things. He would share what he did, right? And here he's sharing that. In, in Acts 26, verse 10. 
Coming back to Stephen, Stephen lived his life up until the end as always. He lived in complete trust in God, believing that Jesus would take care of him in the life to come. He calls out to Jesus in faith, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And with an almost reckless abandon for his physical body and life, he's just calling out to Christ, almost with that reckless abandon for this physical body, for this life. Lord, receive my spirit. I, I, I can almost imagine maybe some joy in him saying that. Not because he's crazy, but because he's certain of his Savior. Amen? And what was to come. And Stephen had mercy for the people involved with his stoning. The people deserve Stephen's wrath. I mean, I don't know. If I'm getting hit with rocks, pelted with stones, I'm probably not going to be praying for people. Stephen was. Why? Because he was full of the Holy Spirit. The people deserved Stephen's wrath, his anger, yet mercifully he prayed for them. And so in our season of peril or distress, in our discomfort or anger, do we show mercy? Do we pray for those that are the cause of the persecution in our life? Look, we don't know God's plan for our lives, right? We may have like little windows of it, you know, we have like, like horse blinders on and, and, and we only see this much of it because if we saw it all, we, heads would probably explode or something. But we, we only see so much of it, right? And so our job is to trust in God for the rest that we can't see. And so we don't know God's plan for our lives, nor do we know how it would unfold. We don't. We don't know how it's going to come about. We don't know how God's going to bring it about. We don't know what door God is going to open, what he's going to do. And I'm sure right here, Stephen probably just thought, I'm going home. He probably didn't even think that that prayer would be fruitful. He probably didn't even think anything would come of it. I mean, maybe he did, but who knows? But he prayed nevertheless. He prayed for the Lord to forgive these people, all right? So we never know how a prayer can or when it will be answered. Sometimes we'll see prayers answered in our lifetime, correct? I know we all have. Sometimes we have prayers that seem like, Lord, I think I'm going to die. <laughs> and this prayer, you know, will maybe get, I'm, I'm pretty sure, will get answered after I'm gone. <laughs> There's just some of those prayers like that, right? For people in our lives or for situations in our lives. And we're like, man, trusting in you, Lord trusted in you. I remember my grandmother would pray for me all the time when I was lost as a youngster. And the, it pleased the Lord to take her. And so she never saw me come to Christ. But I know her prayers were part of that prayer chain. You know, I know it was her and my sister who, praise God, my sister got to see me come to Christ. And now she's with the Lord herself. But those prayers... We never know how God will answer them. We never, we never know when God will answer them. Why am I speaking on this prayer so much? Because we never know how that prayer will get answered, when it will get answered. But here, we get to hear a prayer that Stephen prayed for the people. And if we fast forward a few chapters, we get to see it answered. Stephen prayed for them all. But we know of one, Saul, who after coming to know Jesus personally, went by the name of Paul, right? We know of his story. We know of his conversion. And we hear from Paul 
of how Stephen's testimony spoke to Paul, how Stephen's testimony spoke to him, how when Stephen was being stoned, it spoke to him. And I can only imagine, because I have someone like this in my life, who 20, man, I'm old, but like 25 years ago, this guy sat on this bus bench opposite of me, and all he did was tell me, Jesus loves you. And I ridiculed him, and I mocked him, and, you know, called him a lot of bad names. And, and all he did was smile at me. And he said, man, Jesus loves you, man. And, and do you know, I didn't come to Christ right then and there. I didn't come to Christ two years later, five years later. I came to Christ, oh, my gosh, 20 years later, you know. I came to Christ so long after that. But do you know that every time I got spoken word to, I got prayed over, someone shared Jesus with me in any way, whether in word, thought, or action, I thought of that guy. I still think of that guy. I still pray for that guy. Lord, I don't even know his name, but I hope you're still using him. I hope he's still, if he's still on his earth, I hope he's still running his race with you. And in that same manner, Paul Saul, as he came to be known as Paul, when he came to Christ, I'm sure he thought of Stephen. I'm sure during his walk, he thought of Stephen. Man, this dude was just so full of the Holy Spirit. Man, this guy was just so Christ-like. This Jesus that I now know, this guy was so much like him. Acts chapter 22, verse 20. This again is Paul. He says, and when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. Paul spoke of this time in his life. Paul spoke of him being there. It was obviously a memory in his life. It was obviously something that got him thinking. Maybe it kept him up at night. Maybe We don't know. We don't know, right? But it was something. It so true, Paul didn't come to Christ at that moment of Stephen's stoning. Very true. But it was a seed that was planted. It was a seed that was watered. Just like that guy telling me Jesus loved me on that bus bench so many years ago was a seed. It was a seed that was planted and that it was watered over time. This, I believe, is what happened with Paul in, in watching Stephen just show mercy and grace unto the people. So the testimony of Christ through Stephen's life spoke volumes, perhaps to others as well, right? The Bible doesn't say. Perhaps we'll get to heaven and we'll hear of more. Hey, I was in that crowd. Or hey, I was one of the guys stoning Stephen and, and it just spoke to me so much that I came to Christ later on. Who knows? We don't know. We don't know, right? The Bible doesn't say that, anything along that. But the text concludes with Stephen falling asleep, which is a euphemism for death. In the Christian vernacular, right, the Christianese that we speak, in the Christian vernacular, fell asleep is used as an expression for death, as it reflects on our assurance of resurrection. We close our eyes temporarily, right, in death, and we open our eyes to a beautiful eternity. And so death should never be anything we're scared of. Death should never be anything, you know, that keeps us awake at night we're fearful of. It's a certainty. It's going to come. But it's not the end. 
It's just a pause. And I love how they always say sleep. In the Old Testament used it a lot. He fell asleep. He fell asleep. She fell asleep. He slept with his fathers. It's just momentary. Just close your eyes to this life. Open your eyes to eternal heaven with the Lord. It's beautiful. That's awesome. We may never know the impact that showing mercy may have on people, right, in our lives. We may never know that. Like I'm sure Stephen didn't know. But nevertheless, we must show it. Amen? We must show that grace to our fellow people. We must show that mercy to our fellow people. Even when they're showing us nothing but wrath. Even when they're showing us nothing but wrath. Show them that grace. Show them that mercy. Maybe it's in our own household. Maybe it's our own spouses. Maybe it's our own children. Maybe it's family. Especially right now with Thanksgiving coming and Christmas coming. What do we have? Family gatherings. And you, we, we always have those family members that's kind of like, oh, how long are they going to stay this time? We all have that. I'm not saying that's the right attitude to have, but we all have those people. Maybe we are those people to, to another family member. Hey, I'm coming by. Oh, my gosh. Uncle Jimmy's coming. Maybe I'm not to someone in my family. But we need to show mercy and grace. We need to love on them, especially during these times. At all times, but especially with these seasons coming up. Paul is such a wonderful example, amen, as we close up here. Paul is such a wonderful example of going through a spiritual ringing. When he was spiritually wrung, what was extracted was just grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. So are you going through a spiritual ringing? And if so, are you Christ-like through it, full of the Holy Spirit? Are you like Stephen through it? Are you showing grace and mercy Or perhaps, are you like the Sanhedrin? Am I like the Sanhedrin? So stuck in our ways, not willing to listen. Are you like the mob going with the flow? And maybe you're not stoning someone. Maybe you're not killing someone. But but as a Christian, as a believer, you're, you're still going with the flow. You're still going with the mob mentality at work. You know, the Bible says no coarse jesting, no, no foul language, right? The Bible talks about that. Maybe, are we going with the flow at work? Are we fitting in just to fit in? Or are you like Saul, okay with what is going on, even approving it? Is there someone in your life you should be praying for? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we all have someone in our life we should be praying for. But you know what? And I'll be straight up honest. Sometimes my anger keeps me from praying for them. It's not right. As a pastor, I'm sharing this with you guys. That's not right. Someone in our life that we should be praying for, but, oh, Lord, they wronged me. Try to justify ourselves, right? Oh, but they, oh, but this. Man, these people straight up wronged Stephen. They lied about him. They brought him before the council with false charges. They didn't even want to hear him out, la, 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 right? They rushed at him, and then they pushed him and threw him out of the city and stoned him to death. They wronged Stephen. And what did he show? Grace and mercy. And he prayed for them. And lastly, I believe we all need help being like Stephen, being like Jesus in circumstances that arise in our lives. We can all use a little help. We can all use some more of the Holy Spirit to help us with these 
circumstances and, and things that come in our way. As Jesus promised, trials and troubles will come our way, but be of good cheer, right? That he has overcome the world. Stephen held on to that promise. Stephen held on to that threefold promise. He had peace. He had the peace of Christ that when the trouble came his way, he had the peace of Christ to know that he could overcome that, that he could walk through that, that he could go through that with Christ. Amen. And so I pray that we can all get to that point. I pray that we can all be there one day. Amen. Let's pray. I would like to thank you for taking time to listen to our broadcast. This is uh, Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. If you're someone like me who is, uh, listens to a lot of podcasts, you can also listen to us on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Audible, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, just type in Calvary Chapel uh, Divine and you'll, you'll be able to track us down. And lastly, I just wanted to invite you out to church. Uh, we are a casual church that meets in a non-traditional building, uh, meaning that we meet at the VFW 3966 on West College Avenue, big white building right next to the the post office. Uh, if you want to get more information about our church, if you need to ask uh, some questions or you even need prayer, just go to calvarydivine.org. And uh, we want to thank you again just for listening to this broadcast of Calvary Chapel Divine Texas, Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. God bless you. Have a good one.